welcome, welcome. This is the Simply King Podcast, and it's your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. And today, I have a very special guest here with me. Um, shout out to Atlanta Basement Studios um, for, you know, yet again, giving me some, you know, some space. You know, giving me some space in this thing. I'm going to try to, you know, work with them a lot more in um, the new year. But uh, I have here with me content creator, also therapist, <laughs> mental health therapist, <laughs> advocate. You heard that too? Uh, advocate, fly, person, all around. Aww. Everybody, everybody, welcome, Isla Avani. Thank you. It's the full name for me. It's a good name. I'm not used to people saying my full name. It's a good name. I like that, Isla Avani. I told great. you, it sounded like it sounded like either it could be a perfume or a bottle of water. That's what you're thinking. No. Okay. Good. I was gonna I was gonna say R and B R and B name. I was gonna say an R and B an R and B like you know name. Yeah, artist. Yeah, that's, yeah, artist name. Yeah, that's. That's me. That's you? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. We're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk more about that. <laughs> speaking of songs, speaking of music, I have a new segment that I wanted to introduce. Okay. Um, and you're going to be the first guest to, you know, do it, do it with. So that should, you know, special. Okay, spotlight. So shout out, speaking of radio, because we was talking about radio off uh-huh. mic. Um, I actually have a, kind of, a, I guess, an internet radio um, station, if you will, on Station Head that I do twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 9 p.m. It's called The Vibe Hour. I did see that. You yeah. post that. And it's, um, and it's been cool. It's been dope. It's been like a cool passion project mm-hmm. of mine. Um, but I thought, like, what's a way to get some cool, like, cross-promotion for my things? So I came up with The Vibe Minute. I love it. You see that? Smart as fuck. I'm you see that? Idea. So you can. Just kidding. So, so, uh, so shout out to The Vibe Hour. You can check it out on Station Head, all the previous episodes where I literally walk you through a playlist of music based on a particular theme. Last week's theme was uh, I did alt and blues as well as uh, UK vibes. Okay. Yeah, alt and blues, meaning like alternative Mm -hmm. R&B and UK R&B. Because it's a lot of moms over there across the pond. It is. That be getting to it. Mm -hmm. It's like they dropped off like a very specific amount of vinyls to them. And they just studied that. That is very true. Because yeah. all of them have figured out a way to like capture, I don't know, capture like a very specific like sonic. Mm-hmm. And they deliver it very well. Yeah. And like throughout, I kind of mixed it in with people. I called it, you either sound like Estelle, where you like sing in your accent, mm-hmm. or Craig David, where you sing out of it. I like that you mentioned him. Shout yeah. Shout out to Craig David. Yeah, I he really was. Yeah, he was. He, yeah. I started out with. I started out with a stale with American Boy mm-hmm. to make that point, you know, and then I talk about that. Then I go to Craig Davis Seven Days mm-hmm. and I say each one of these people I'm going to designate why. Yeah, I think they do that. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting choice that they alone, you know, can kind of do and it works because mm-hmm. it's not like they're speaking another language. Right. Versus you know all these other international artists. They speak a whole other language, mm-hmm. and you really just vibing off the vibe. Yeah, don't you don't even what the hell don't even be knowing. You know all that burner boy. It's this new artist I, I found, and he's singing in French, but it it was so powerful that I'm like I I still to this day have no idea. The colors video saying. was he was he like he had like all white on, and he had like kind of like a cleft. Wait, what? He had like a cleft lip. I don't know if he had a cleft lip. He didn't have any teeth in the front. Yes, yes. but yeah, his lip his lip is kind of like yes, yes, yes. I love, I love him. I, mean, I love it. I, have I love no it. idea what he's saying. And and the crazy part about it is, I think I've only like looked up one song that was like a, a quote unquote world song like uh-huh. that, and like the lyrics do kind of it makes sense yeah. for the vibe. 
But it's, it's, it's crazy how the translation sounds, yeah. too. Because you wouldn't think, like, all these words you're saying to say you one say phrase. Yeah. Like, damn, that's what that means? That's it. You know what I'm saying? Despacito. Better start saying that. Um, but the question that I have for you is, what song feels therapeutic to you? Okay, so I have a, I'm going to say there's two. Okay. Right? So, right, because I'm, I'm somewhat, I'm. I'm somewhat stubborn. So if I like something, I'm someone who will listen to it over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like I like to watch the same thing, listen to the same thing. Mm-hmm. So my first one is Donny Hathaway. Ooh. You didn't expect that? I like that answer. You didn't expect that. It doesn't even matter what it is next. Donny Hathaway what? So I want to say it's a friend and then it's also, um, I want to say still in love with you. I think mm. that's the name of it. And you need some love and care And nothing Nothing is going right Close your eyes and it's the It's the live version So it's okay. him singing it live And it's just He's just always been such a wonderful. I've never even met this man, but yeah, he's, he's, I'm addicted to like time. that time frame, mm-hmm. and I feel like he, at that time, you have like powerful speakers who mm-hmm. were involved in activism, but then you also had powerful singers who were singing in a very like activist mm-hmm. type of tone, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like they were, it was like a movement of yeah. their voice, and I feel like he gave his all. Damn. In that. Do you know? Like I think the first time I even heard. Probably the first time I heard Donny Hathaway was, you know, uh, this Christmas, but I didn't okay. know that was him. Because <laughs> um, once I heard the song with, you know, with you know my full awareness, I definitely realized, yeah. oh, I know this song. This has like been mm-hmm. a classic. Uh, I think it was Roll Bounce was the first time I like recognized his voice and like looked up the song. The movie Roll Bounce. The movie Roll Bounce. They have, I think, <laughs> uh, I think Song for You. Okay. Was in the soundtrack of Roll Bounce. Love that song. And I, I remember like watching it being like, who the hell is this? Yeah. That voice is Like, crazy. who is this? Like, cause I, cause my mom is, you know, I, I grew up with a mom who definitely played a lot of old school music. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, it, I felt like I knew everything already. I was yeah. very much like, oh, I got, I knew everything. Um, and once I heard that, I was like, I don't know who this is. I can't mm-hmm. really place it. So Lily just, I don't even remember how the hell I looked it up now that I think about it. Cause that Shazam wasn't a thing. No. Damn, I don't even remember. Oh my God. And I'm probably saying some of the names wrong. Was it I'm telling that you. I was talking about? But my other one, I've been listening to this song nonstop for the past week. What's that? It's called Beady Eyes. And I want to say, because I turned my phone off, that is by C. I don't know how to say his name. Beady Eyes? I think it's Cifo. I think I may be saying his name wrong. Yeah, search Beady Eyes. Like B I B E A D Y. B-E-A-D-Y. Yeah. I see. think it's, um, I don't know how to say the name, though. Mm. I think it's S-I-P-H-O. Mm. Am I right? Sifo. That's what I think that's what I don't I know. I think how it's Sifo. Let me let me just add it to and my And Rum things. Gold Hazel Chandeliers. Take me. 
I just fell in love with him after I, I never knew what he looked like. Like a lot of songs I listen to, I really don't know who the artists are, what they look like. I just love their voice. I'm gonna add, okay, captivated. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add both, and I'm gonna clip both of them into this. And that was oh, yes. that was the vibe minute. Make sure that you go and check out both of those songs after you know hear this thing play. But let's get into who Isla is. Now, where uh, are you from? Who is Isla? I'm from the DMV, okay, Maryland slash DC. Shout out to Maryland. Um, I would say like, so definitely from up North, I feel like I give up North vibes. We're just a different type of energy. I feel like mm -hmm. I said that when I came in here, our energy is just a little different. Well, that's different. If you from DMV, I feel like that, that hit a little bit different than saying you from like New York or something like that. Like yeah. in terms of like culturally how you show yeah, up. Yeah, true. Um, you know, what's funny. Did you know that if it wasn't for the DMV club at Clark Atlanta University, then Freaknik would have never happened. Did you ever know that? Wait, first of all, I didn't know there was a, what is a DMV club? So at Clark Atlanta University or in the AUC, in the Atlanta University Center here in Atlanta, um, they have clubs because everybody was, you know, from different places. Mm -hmm. People obviously used to, you know, find people that they already knew. Oh, oh, you from, oh, you from DC? I'm from, you know, and then folks. Okay. Who, so people used to make affinity clubs based off mm -hmm. of the regions they was from. You had a tri-state club that was New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. And they okay. kind of. Then I yeah. think they kind of threw Philly in there a little bit, so they was all in there. Mm -hmm. um, you had the, um, it was like an African club if you was like a, you know, first mm -hmm. generation. But they had a DMV club that's been around for decades in my school. Okay. And in the 90s, the DMV club had their first, quote unquote, you know, festival mm -hmm. event called the Freedom Picnic okay. at Washington Park. Okay. It was, it did so well. <laughs> it did so well. It was, a, it, it was a hit. it was a hit. So they kept doing it and it kept getting bigger mm -hmm. and bigger and bigger to the point to where people shortened the name to Freaknik because of what was happening. It just sounds so different though, because it was freedom picnic. Picnic to Freaknik. Yes. So <laughs> during that time, this was the height. So this is we talking about like 94, 95. Okay. 90, kind of like mm -hmm. between 93 to about 98. Uh, is around mm -hmm. the time that these things, anything Freaknik related probably happened. Um, at that time, you had Naughty by Nature that had a house on Parsons, which is down the street from where we are now. Didn't know that. Okay. And Naughty by Nature, obviously cool with people like Tupac mm -hmm. and everybody else at that time. So you can imagine in terms of the Lines, music, yeah. in terms of the time, this is the height of Uncle Luke. This is the height mm -hmm. of, you know, all these various things. Hence why that's the music for a Freaknik. That's why that's the time for a Freaknik. But it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the DMV the club. DMV. You just taught me something new today. You know? Like... I like the DMV. I love the DMV. I've only been to D.C. Um, I've been... I've probably flew into Virginia. Okay. <laughs> I'm barely ever in Virginia. Yeah, I probably flew in Virginia and I've been to D.C. like once and loved it. Loved it. Loved Wait, it. Wait, so did they stop doing the Freedom Picnics? Freaknik was technically the Freedom Picnic. They just because Freedom and Freaknik 
just sound. You know, you could you can be a, a free freak too. You can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And but no, what's obviously what stopped it was the obvious complaints from the community mm-hmm. because I don't think people really understood the vastness in which Freaknik became because I think everybody believes they can, can actually cons- you know conceptualize yeah. oh it was just at Piedmont Park and that was crazy mm-hmm. so everything around Piedmont Park is crazy no you can find pictures right now of Freaknik times and them looking like oh this is I know this street this is Peachtree because that's the building is that old oh okay so they was in this whole city was yeah. taken over. They was taking over the it, like interstates. Wilding out. You can see, I seen a picture of Freaknik Weekend in like 1990-something, and they was in Decatur. So imagine oh. that. So if the whole city is like finding a way to party, like I only know one person who gave me like a story about Freaknik. Okay. I don't know why I got into this Freaknik tangent. <laughs> it, was, it, it was, I don't know. Because you wanted know. to be outside? Yeah, I guess. But- Basically, he told me that it was so crazy. He 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 went to he went to school in the nineties, and he was uh, I think he was an alpha. I don't know if he pledged at that time or not. But him and his bros had came down for Freaknik, and he said they were on the way to the park mm-hmm. to Piedmont Park. They said the exit that they got off of it was somebody parked, and it was a woman on the roof of the car, spread eagle. Somebody auntie and a nigga face. Basically, all like we, we obviously uncle. see what's happening. We can't even see we can't even see her bits. Oh we can see God. this nigga head going crazy. Somebody aunt, uncle was. They didn't outside. even make it to the park. They just parked on the shoulder. They said, "Shorty, we finna just get out right here. Just go ahead and hop up on the car. I got you, baby." You see what I'm saying? And then they said when they got to the park, they said it was so many people who had basically nothing on. This is not mm-hmm. by any means, you know, making it, you know, because a lot of bad things that happen in Freaknik too. Yeah. Um, but to contextualize the. Mm-hmm the whole gravity of it all. Yeah. He basically, he said he seen uh, TLC just walking around like they was regular. They was just walking around. But that's why I love the 90s because I feel like everyone felt like we're regular people. Like we outside, like y'all, we all one in the same. Now niggas is brand new. Because they could just pop up and nobody know. You just got to mm-hmm. believe that you saw Brandy at, at the uh, <laughs> at the FYE. You feel me? You just, you How know. You bring, you, Brandy, like how did I get into this? You saw, you saw, you saw Usher at the, you know what I'm saying, the Virgin Music Store. Yeah. And people just got to believe you. If you didn't mm-hmm. take a picture, you, ain't, you had no disposable yeah. camera, how do we know but you really met But in the 90s, I would believe it. Because you had to. Yeah. Like, you had to be like, well, I do remember you did say you went, you got an autograph. That's why people just be like, sign me. Just put here yeah. so I can, like, show and <laughs> yeah. prove that I know you. So, that I know you. DMV upbringing, what brought you to Atlanta? Um, so, this was, like, the craziest thing. I was, I was actually, like, ending my lease. I was finishing grad school. And I was like, okay, I really want just a change. I just, I was just bored with what I was doing back home because I feel like everything was kind of the same when yeah. I got out the military. Damn, and girl, you live a lot of lives. <laughs> you live a lot it's of lives. The, it's a damn girl. <laughs> I, would, I would not have placed you. And you know what? Everyone says that. You, yo, when I, I should I should have known by you got a good good little you know what I'm saying brush down because you know y'all good with them buns. That's crazy. Crazy. That's a good. That's a good it's indicator. Y'all good with them buns. Because y'all can y'all can pull that's it a on wild back. Statement. Y'all can pull it back. You're right. But I didn't have any hair. I actually had cut my hair oh, off. For real? Well, that, that's I convenient. had like a short, a little curly bush. Okay. And they all thought I was a stud. It was the weirdest. Mm. It was the weirdest time of my life. I can imagine. I was like, I'm not a stud. Why mm-hmm. do y'all think that? Because my hair is short. But no, I cut you off. You were saying after you got um, out the military. But yeah, so I moved here. Um, I wanted to create programs for Atlanta public schools. Mm-hmm. Like I really wanted to get more involved. 
I was doing it work back home, but I think it was just a disconnect because it felt like when you are home and you're attempting to build communion and yeah. collaboration around the people in your community and yeah. there's a lack of that support, it's yeah. like, okay, y'all don't really want to do this. Yeah. I'm going to take this somewhere else where it may be appreciated, I mm. guess. Um, so yeah, I just decided out of nowhere, I was like, I'm just going to move to Atlanta. And okay. this was like a very random spur of the moment. I don't know what I'm about to do, how I'm about to move. Um, but I made the transition. And then I think once I got out here, the more I began to connect with people, which was mostly creatives, it allowed me to tap more into the creative side because mm. I had put that on pause because I wasn't sure how to, how to bring together the therapeutic side and my creative side together without it being too di like too disconnected. I feel that. I feel that. And I think that I think that's everybody's welcoming yeah. into Atlanta is that you're gonna meet people who what's the what's the uh what's the uh, ongoing joke in Atlanta? Nobody in Atlanta got a real job. They don't. That's why at twelve PM it's like, traffic. why so many people on the road. Yeah. Cause everybody everybody work from home. Yeah. You know? Um which is a interest I love that about Atlanta though. Because mm -hmm. I think that um we need to highlight and have these spaces and places that feel like incubators and ecosystems that we can like pour into and really get yeah. something back from. I've met a lot of people who have told me nothing but good things about their first six months or their first however mm -hmm. month in terms of maybe it was hard in terms of figuring out, you know, certain things and they've got their, you know, welcome to Atlanta type moments that yeah. they should bust into something like mm -hmm. that. But they never speak to their network being something that took a long time for them yeah. to gather. If they were in the creative mm -hmm. spaces and they were creative themselves and had something to offer, uh, it's pretty easy. And I'd yeah. always tell people, no matter where you move, mm -hmm. um, if you aren't together, like with yourself, mentally, emotionally, um, if your money ain't right, you know what I'm saying, and you're not actually tapped into the actual community yeah. of that place, you won't like it no matter where it is. Yeah. It could be New York City, it could be D.C., Maryland, it could be Houston. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be like, I don't see why y'all like it so much yeah. because you so away from it. I still don't like it. it though. Damn, you don't like Atlanta? No, mm. I don't. I I don't like the traffic. Okay. I don't like how slow. People are like, I like to do things with a sense of urgency. Okay. Because I got stuff to do. Okay. And I feel like out here, everyone moves slow. Yeah. They're like, yeah. There's, there, and there's no, it doesn't seem to be a real perspective outside of the environment because of what people are, have normalized. Yes. In regards to Atlanta. Yeah. Where are we thinking differently? I think I, I, I can say that the advantage that I had in coming to Atlanta is I came as a college student. I was 18. Mm -hmm. And so when you are, when you are that young, that impressionable, but also you're getting a discount residential experience. Mm -hmm. So you're automatically, you get that one piece of automatically being a part of community, yeah. understanding kind of the ins and outs of things that you might, that the mm -hmm. average person, it would take so much time because mm -hmm. you can't just come here for a weekend. You can't just spend six months plus live life and work and yeah. think that you're going to get acclimated as fast versus a college student where, shit, after I get done with these three classes, I can do what the fuck else yeah. I want. And that was what a lot of us did obviously as every college student mm -hmm. in any city does so you learn so much about the place mm -hmm. and understand like what you can do what you can't do where you should go where you can't go um understanding the culture of the people who are from there a lot better because they also are going to your school showing yeah. you the way showing you where to eat showing you what to stay away from mm -hmm. just understanding a lot more versus now i think that the problem with atlanta is that it's has great branding has shiny aesthetic but hasn't had, but has uh, lost a lot of its substance yeah. because it's been able to 
really like gained so much from those particular spaces and places, mm-hmm. like becoming this kind of, you know, trendy place to live and work and having like a handful of success stories yeah. and blowing them out the out the water to be like, see, mm-hmm. look, 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 Pinky Cole, she from Baltimore. Yeah. She ain't from here. She went to, she went to CAU, went to New York, whatever, whatever happened in the middle, doesn't matter. She moved <laughs> yeah. to Atlanta and yeah. became a mogul. Yeah, that's how the story is. Even though, even though the in between is what matters the most for her to be able to even make Slutty Vegan. Yeah, and so people don't speak to that part when it comes to Atlanta story. They make it seem Mm -hmm. like because you came to Atlanta, that's why you're successful. Yeah, because Atlanta just—that's what Atlanta does. When in reality, it's like no, you're gonna have to work. You're gonna Mm -hmm. have to look like anybody else. And I think the problem is that once you kind of quote unquote in, yeah, um, a lot of people are allowing you to be in for so many different reasons. I always used to say back in the day, um, and RIP to takeoff, I always used to say, nobody want to miss out on Amigos. Yeah. You don't want to be the one who you met them and then you passed up on them. Yeah. And now they're the Amigos. Yeah. So a lot of people who are quote unquote gatekeepers in Atlanta might seem a lot more approachable than any mm-hmm. other city because if you could at least come with something, mm-hmm. they're going to give you a shot. They're going to let you come into a room or two. Yeah. And if you can keep up, Shit, you might be able to get something out of the situation. Mm-hmm. And they don't want and they don't want to be the one to pass up on you, knowing that people are flooding to mm-hmm. this space, this place to, you know, for something to happen. Everybody mm-hmm. got something in the tuck. That like I can so show you sense. this. You know, so I it's think it's all fucking up the economy though. I can imagine. I can imagine. I can imagine. I can imagine. So it's not making any sense. Right? So you stayed and you're and you're and you, <laughs> stayed. you stayed and you, you know, you started your podcast. <laughs> My show. Uh, your show. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Tell us about that a little bit. So, and it's crazy because I, I started the rebrand and I really did the rebrand because I didn't want to be limited with the name and the concept that I initially created yeah. for, for Daily Store Run. Yeah. Um, And I, and I'm someone who I'm slightly a perfectionist, but I'm also like, I overthink mm-hmm. and I have so many ideas. So yeah. at times it can be difficult for me to just stick with one thing and, mm-hmm. and just focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really created the space we create because I felt like when people were coming on the initial podcast, yeah. it wasn't really geared toward the concept. It was more geared toward just us discussing just natural things, but centered around mental health. I see. So I figured if I can change the name and change just how the branding looks, it opens it up to a more diverse and inclusive crowd and audience, but still is centered around like the culture, black I like culture. That. I like that. And vulnerability of black culture Ooh, the vulnerability of black culture that sounds like a yeah, that's like a book a novel yeah, dude like like the damn like, i'm about to write that down really like, yeah the subtext you know what i'm saying like vulnerability the, of black culture mm-hmm. damn because that's deep. an idea that's deep you know, you know that's what it, that's what it is yeah it's just what you get when you fuck with me <laughs> but that's, that's why i like atlanta because yeah. when i came out here and i began to connect with people and even just share just parts of my ideas mm-hmm. I enjoy seeing the excitement of other people. Yeah, you and need the to fact do that. that. Other people had ideas, and it was like, oh, you could do this too, and mm-hmm. this. And it was like back home, I was not. Mm-hmm. That was not happening. Yeah, because back home in the DMV, I feel like it's more centered around working, governmenty type of things, politics. That it's it's difficult to try to tap into your creativity because it's not really an atmosphere. You're not seeing a lot of studios, not a lot of creative things. Mm-hmm. Baltimore has it. And Baltimore is a standalone because there isn't a lot of financial support for Baltimore. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for D.C. and the other parts of Maryland, you're really not going to get 
what you're looking for. And it's probably a lot of people who are more so leaning into practicality more yeah. than anything. It's like, mm-hmm. you're a creative my nigga, I'm making so much being in a tech job or having this governmental right. contract. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You, you know what I'm saying? Broke? Yeah. I was literally just talking to my best friend about uh, the DMV and how, like, it's one, it's a peculiar place because <laughs> unlike Atlanta, you can meet, I think so many women can meet a man in Atlanta and he just wants to take care of you. He can want to da, da, da. <laughs> yeah. In the DMV, that man might exist, but he also cares about what the fuck you do. Yeah. Like, oh, how are you making money? Yeah. You're, you're a what? That's crazy. You're, you're that's a bottle so girl? Um, <laughs> you're a bottle girl. I can't take care of somebody who had, who barely could take care of themselves. You you probably couldn't even handle <laughs> I can't take care of shit. somebody who be in a club. Like yeah, no, nah, it's like, no, I need somebody who got a 401k, a pension, yeah. and they got some shit to lose. Long money, yeah. Because of, and you know what? I actually just seen this. I think it was like a top seven black cities where black city, like black wealthy towns or cities. Okay. And I believe four... I want to say four or three on that list were in Maryland. Yeah. I knew They're I knew making that, money out there. I knew that from history, like yeah. a history context, that like it's a bunch of, you know what I'm saying, old black money, which is the peculiar thing about Atlanta, because Atlanta's the same. There's a lot of black families that have had money for over a century mm-hmm. in Atlanta. So that's why like you see certain things that have really been around for a long ass time. Um, but I but I digress. I okay. love talking to you though, girl. You're easy to talk to. That's how I know you're as I therapy. told you that when I came in here. You're right, like, you're right. You got me. I got I gotta acknowledge you. You got me. You got me. So in in you coming down and you still here and you definitely, you know, actively working, trying to, you know, mm-hmm. get into the black vulnerability of mm-hmm. it all. I, my first question to you is why do you think therapy is still taboo after it's already been introduced in popular culture it's already being introduced you know on the day-to-day people are using all this jargon people are speaking out loud and people are creating all these various resources why do you think still for black people therapy is taboo i believe it's still taboo because you have a lot of individuals who want to move into the the realm of therapy and understand what it looks like in regards to like self-awareness mindfulness yeah just the way that they think their perspective but i feel like their surroundings and the people their community is still stuck on the old ways of doing things. You know, we don't really speak on certain things. We don't mm. want to make other people uncomfortable. Yeah. We don't want to, you know, ruin the dynamic of the family because we appreciate how copacetic it is. Yes. So I feel like when people are in a in a space of healing and when it's wanting to evolve their their mindset, if you stick around an environment that's not conducive to what that looks like, you're gonna you're kind of gonna be trapped. And what that looks like. So you're not really going to foresee therapy as being a healing experience. You're going to really see it as being a space where you'll be judged or they won't understand you. They can't relate to you. But all of those narratives come from an old, I don't want to say old people, but like just an old facet way of thinking. Mm. That's not really, it made sense at that time because it was for survival. Yeah, It was weird. We can't really talk about these things because we don't want to lose our community. We don't want to lose our home. You know, if you think about it, what's that film with, um, oh my gosh, it was an old black and white film. I want to say with Diane Carroll. Um, and it was black and white? I think so. I can't remember. No, describe it. So she was, she had different, she had multiple children. And so she had a partner, but when the lady, the caseworker, quote unquote, oh, would Claudette. come by. Claudette, okay. You know, she couldn't say that she had a partner. Mm-hmm. And that was taboo. It was like, we can't do this for our safety because we'll lose out on an opportunity. Mm, yeah, James Earl Jones. 
Yeah. Oh, you know that film. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have never seen that mm-hmm. movie because even I just kind of forgot what the hell it was. Yeah. But yeah, so I oh, feel no, like it was Claudine. Or Claudine. I think it was Claudine. Claudine. But I feel like it's similar to that where it's like if we speak too much, we'll lose out on things that we work so hard for. Yeah. We'll lose out on things that we had to struggle for and advocate for. But it's like the times have changed where people are kind of tired of being silent in the yeah. face of trauma. Yeah. They're tired of of having to push through the day mm-hmm. with what they're feeling and not being able to express it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if people are still ar- surrounded by that those types of people, mm-hmm. then your perception of what therapy is is just going to continue to be swayed and seen as taboo. That makes sense. So basically the precedence of survival takes more for sure. Of a priority over healing. Especially when you're black. That's yeah. why I say it's important when it comes to black culture. Because yeah. a lot of people, they're looking for therapists to understand that. But you have to find someone who understands black culture and what it looks like to be black. Mm-hmm. What it looks like to be a, a black woman and be expressive. Because you're seen as, oh, well, they're strong. And mm-hmm. they can just push through and mm-hmm. keep it going. And the men are this. And it's mm-hmm. like... Who created that notion? We didn't create that notion for us. Right. That notion was created by the white, by white supremacy and mm-hmm. white oppression. Mm-hmm. And now, and they had to kind of live through that because if you try to get out of that, you could be targeted, you could be attacked, you could be killed. Mm. But now, I mean, I just feel like people are fed up. I agree. I agree. I, I think that we're at a point now where so much damage has happened to each other that we mm-hmm. can't even look, we, don't, we can't point fingers outside ourselves now. Right. We can't say that the reason why you have this, you know, a strange relationship with your parents mm-hmm. or people within your family is solely connected to, you know, white intervention yeah. in some way, shape, or form. This, this nigga had a job and still wasn't present. This right. motherfucker was in the house and you still never heard I love you. Mm-hmm. Your mama was there the whole time just as thick as you but called you fat every day. So so many that wasn't meant to be funny, but just you get know what I mean. Just as thick as you but called you fat every day. But, it, it, but that's, the, that's the point, yeah. though. It's like people come to those, you know, very traumatic moments to realize mm-hmm. like you know what I will cut these niggas off I do yeah. want to feel better about myself mm-hmm. I do want to change and shift so many things about my life so it makes sense yeah I think that you know to add to that because you answered that question you asked damn near asked my follow-ups good too you, got, <laughs> you, you did that shit good so girl. Funny. um to 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 make it into because I don't know how many of your clients are, are men as well mm-hmm. but like the thing that I thought about before I got into therapy myself in 2019 shout out to Claude um, my therapist. Uh, I thought about a lot of you know things that I was into personally, okay. and I think that what made me a good candidate for quote unquote therapy was more so because a lot of the things that I was doing already was mm-hmm. kind of emulating some sense of like self soothing in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. So I was I've always been into quotes mm-hmm. since I was in high school. Loved you know these old Tony Robbins quotes and yeah. all these just random Ooh, yeah. things about you know looking inward and all these various things. I remember telling my best friend something about uh, why I feel like I've always had a good temper. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I was like, I read something. I, don't, I can't remember who said it, mm-hmm. but I remember reading something at a real early age where it said that allowing for people to make you upset, it, they have power over you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, I like that. I'm still learning. And, and that's something, and that's something that like, I didn't realize I really led my life with that at mm-hmm. an early age. Cause I was always, very had always had a pretty good moderate temper. You really had yeah. to do a lot for me to, because I'll always just be like, look, I'll just leave. I don't got to stay here and like allow myself to get upset. And that was always a revolutionary option for mm-hmm. people. They never thought about that. Like, hold on, you ain't going to yeah, stay here and... Yeah, argue with me. Hold on. We're not done. 
And now everybody just kind of staring and looking like, well, damn, my nigga, you really did a lot and he yeah. don't care. Yeah. And he came back to the mm-hmm. court. He came back to school. He came yeah. back into the bathroom. You didn't scare him away. You mm-hmm. didn't do anything like that. Um, so I never really had to worry about that. Also had a little bit of a growth spurt early too. Okay. So also it was a, a, a little bit of that happening too. <laughs> Motherfucker stopped trying you after a while. But <laughs> nevertheless, I, I was into a lot of things. Yeah. I was into, you know, just self-expression as a whole. Like mm-hmm. I loved, I love to talk. You know, and I love to just speak my mind about particular things. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to me, I was this budding creative that liked to write. And so I, but I didn't know that that was what I was doing in yeah. terms of like writing out my mm-hmm. feelings or expressing my feelings directly. I remember that was my weird Achilles heel mm-hmm. in my like puppy love days is that I used Aww. to be big caking on that phone telling, writing sonnets on the phone, four okay, page letter, like, hey, you know, this is how I feel about you, girl, da, 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 all this type of shit. I cannot. And they would always be like, Rodney, I really appreciate that. <laughs> but I don't, but I do not know what to say. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I don't know what, I like you too. Like, I don't know what to say. This is a lot. This is too much. Yeah. And I'm just like, I need to scale this shit back. I need to do, I need to bring it in it's a little bit. I need to scale it back. Yeah, because yeah. I'm, I'm scaring them away. Because yeah. they like, nigga, you like me, but I don't know what to say. But you like me with the words. It was too much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you like well, that Well, it young. wasn't too much. It was it, it, the, the It time. wasn't enough for that. Yeah. For, for those the, people. For those people. Yeah. So once I got into therapy, it was just, it felt so good to me mm-hmm. because of the, first, the validation of like what I'm thinking about myself isn't crazy, isn't, you know, out of the norm because all these irrational thoughts. Yeah. You don't know if anybody even shares these mm-hmm. things because I went in on a very, I started out with a very simple thing and I was like I got financial anxiety yeah the day that I the day, payday and the day my, my my shit about to go into the negative <laughs> feel exactly the same yeah I don't feel good when I get money I don't feel good when it go when it's going away yeah so I don't know how to what do I do with that mm-hmm. how do, like that doesn't feel right what's the emotion behind it yeah like yeah. why do I feel that way why does that why don't I even feel an attachment to these mm-hmm. these earnings why don't I even feel an attachment to figure out a way to sustain them yeah because I just believe that they're not mine. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to have to just pay for bills. I'm going to have to just work always mm-hmm. anyway. So how? Why, do I, why would I even be motivated by money, right. you know, if it's never really mine? And just from that simple thing, it attached to my own self, you know, self-perception, mm-hmm. my sense of worthiness. Mm-hmm. Where, where, who, who taught you about money first? Mm-hmm. Oh, your mama. Oh, okay, let's mm-hmm. talk about your mama. That's, that's exactly and then, what and then, I thought when you said it. See, see, there, see that therapy mind, um, yeah, that therapy mom mind, and, and 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 for me, and I think I've said this on a podcast before. You know, the introduction that I feel like I had to money was, oh, my mama makes money because she has to pay bills. Mm-hmm. That's what the resource of money is mm-hmm. for bills. I didn't have any other context because that was what I always heard money being brought up about. Yeah, it was either not enough, mm-hmm. or this is for the bills. Yeah, it was rarely ever. You didn't learn that money could be used for luxury or pleasure. Hell or no. Yeah. Hell no. And, and the things that were luxury to my mother, I had no attachment to. Mm-hmm. So her buying this big ass piece of furniture, her spending, her spending extra to, mm-hmm. to have a certain type of thing, her running all them errands and coming back with her nails and hair done. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. You know, that that was what that was. All I knew was anytime I would ask for certain things, or want certain things, but mm-hmm. have the the consideration of like, damn, can we even afford this? Yeah. You shouldn't be thinking about that at fucking ten. Yeah, at all. You know what I'm saying? You should just ask for the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But, but that's I, a lot of kids, especially now. But I, but I, because I already had that as a context, I stopped asking for shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I became a real 
look, mom, you know, you know, just give me this. But that changes that part too, to stop asking for stuff. Yeah. Like you learned, okay, what action do I need to take after connecting the dots around money and pleasure yeah. and, and survival? Yeah. That I should be quiet and just not ask. Yeah. And I, I would say this is a good pivot to my next question to you is, I think that a common phrase that you hear a lot on the internet these days is God. doing the work, oh. which you thought I was going to say. No, I had no idea. I oh, was okay. Like, oh my what, God. What do people be saying? Because they, they say, say a lot. lot of stuff. They yeah. say a lot. They say a lot. And I think that there's a very specific aversion to the idea of quote unquote doing the work. Yeah. Um, but also too, I think it's so ambiguous for a lot of people mm-hmm. when people say that it's mm-hmm. like you hear it a lot when, you know, when there's particular things that are happening like particular offensive things that are happening by men and men are on the internet trying to find ways to, you know, to cape and cop please for whoever this person is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what's wrong with y'all. Y'all niggas need to do the work. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you're talking And so many, so many men either say individually in their own private conversations, mm-hmm. see, there you go with all that therapy shit, coming yeah. in here with all that therapy shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, here I come then. Welcome it. And so what would you say is the idea genuinely of like, quote unquote, doing the work? I mean, for me, because especially when it comes to an individual, doing the work is really, you're seeking some sense of Mm self-awareness. Because you are, this is your individual body. You have to stand and sit in this body for however long you you need to. So why would you not want to understand your entire existence? Why would you not want to understand the impact of the trauma that you experienced? You know you experienced trauma. You know that this trauma has changed your entire perception, the way that you communicate, the way that you view certain things. Why would you not want to dive in and do the work to understand yourself? It's you. It's you. You're the only you this you got. Me. You're the only you you got. But to me, that's really what it is. It's like I'm 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 willing to take a step back and take time out for myself to figure out, okay, how did my mom impact me? Yeah. And what ways do these things make me angry? Yeah. Why do I cope? Why are these my coping skills instead of these? Like, why do I indulge in this? Why am I okay with being around these people, but I'm uncomfortable with being around people who challenge me? Mm. Why am I like, why are these things normalized for me when I know it's unhealthy? Mm. Because I'm seeing the life that I want. I see it on social media. You mm-hmm. see it in real time. Like, you know what you, you know want. You know people. But you're, you know people. Who have the life. You have the world. environment. Like, mm-hmm. you're around people who can motivate you to doing that. Mm-hmm. But that makes you uncomfortable because it's all fear-based. It's, it's scary to have an idea of who you could be and what it looks like. And to know that you're that close yeah. to people who could get you there. Yeah. But it's like, fuck. I yeah. would have to be someone new mm. in order to embody that. And I don't know if I'm ready to be someone new yeah. because this is comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm used to this. I know what to expect. It's mm-hmm. normalized. Like, but when you find beauty in the things that you tap into when it comes to yourself, yeah, this is your, this is your body. This is your body. This is your mind. This is you. This is you. I love that. That's a good way to put that one. And I will add to say that I think that a big aversion for men that I've noticed mm-hmm. in myself as well as other men who seem to really push back on the idea of, you know, going to therapy or doing the work, if you will, is that so much of our factory settings, if we just allow for the doctrination of the world, is accepted. Yeah. So once you start to have that awareness, you then realize what the quote unquote side effects or byproducts are mm-hmm. of you going with and opting in to these various things that are already pre predisposed for you like yeah. these these are already predetermined 
Mm-hmm. If you just follow this path, you're going to get something out of it. Yeah. Something's going to happen. Somebody's going to want to marry you. Somebody's going to mm-hmm. have your baby. Somebody's going to give you a job. Yeah. But also, you're probably going to be anxious the whole time. Yeah. You're probably going to be disrespected a lot. You're probably going to allow for way more than you mm-hmm. need to. You probably don't even understand how to spell the word self-advocation. Mm-hmm. So you're going to allow for a lot, but you're going to get everything yeah. that you think that you want because you're opting into this thing. Yeah. So once you start to peel back the layers and become aware, it then like sullies your normal experience. Mm-hmm. So now chatting and talking to women is different because now you're worried about how they're perceiving you. Mm-hmm. If you're coming off too strong. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that you're talking amongst your boys when you feel like everybody's cutting you off or you feel like you're not really being heard or seen or nobody really cares when you tell them that you're not having a bad when you that you're having a bad day, all they really do is try to give you some type of vice. Yeah. You realize, like, no, nah, I kind of just want to just chill. Can we just stay in? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, nah, nigga, you need to go see some ass. That's going to make you feel yeah. better. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. Fuck, fuck Crystal. And that's such a guy. I don't want to say all guy, but that's such a... But, but that's normalized. But that's normalized mm-hmm. versus, like, no, nah, but I kind of want to call her. I kind of want to stay in. Yeah. I kind of want to be with myself, be in my feelings. But none of those things have space. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that... I, I, I feel like, you know, nothing is an anomaly. And I think I got to where I got to in yeah. terms of like accepting to do the work and also accepting the unfavorable parts of myself to non- understand like, oh, I do have control. Like I am, I am in control of this. Yeah. Because, and I've allowed for myself to just be on autopilot with so many parts of my behavior, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like learning about those bad parts or them things that I discovered. I was like, I do not like that I do that. Yeah. And I, that is not what I would describe myself to be, but that is exactly what I've done. And it's, but it's just being accountable. And because we're not, my biggest thing is that people feel like when they make mistakes or they do things that are unhealthy, yeah, that it's it's the beat they beat themselves up, and it's like I really don't like that part. But it's like it's okay. Show yourself grace because that part derived from somewhere. Something you weren't born in. Well, some people. But you weren't born into that that trait. That trait came because you had to experience something more than likely as a child, yeah. and that it was it was easier for you to to adhere to that trait in order to survive that moment. Yeah. So like a lot of people that I meet are very, um, I would say like the attachment styles. They're very avoidant attachment mm-hmm. because they dealt. They were in an environment where they where they were being dismissed or rejected or ignored. Mm. So they learned to just be quiet. Yeah. They learned to not really speak up for themselves. They learned to not express their needs. And as adults, it just became something that they were used to. Yeah. So if someone, they meet someone, then they're like, no, I want you to tell me what's wrong. Yeah. Like, what do you mean tell you what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Right. No, tell me what's really wrong. That's so real. You, you reminded me of something I said to my mom the other day about like, I was like, mom, it was this thing I learned in psychology class once. <laughs> about it told it was like giving the reference of how you can learn what type of adult a child is going to be based off of potty training. You ever mm. you ever you ever read about that or heard mm-hmm. about that? Never. It's like something to the effect of like a child that quickly learns how to potty train may be a, a, a unorganized adult versus mm. children that take a longer time to potty train mm-hmm. properly are more anal adults. Like they need things okay. to be done in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And like that particular moment is what they're kind of like trying to tie together is mm-hmm. because you taught them how, because they this is how they learned and this is how they behaved when trying to learn something that's for them. This mm-hmm. is now how they project themselves off to the world. I mean, I could see that being for a lot of things because a lot of parents, 
I mean, they're, what their children learn is based on their sense of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I don't like put it all the way on them because I feel like a parent, they're, they're only going to know what they know. And Thanks. a lot of parents, they, they aren't aware of the developmental stages of children and like what you should do first. You know, yeah. this happens, then this happens, then this happens. Yeah. So a lot of parents end up behind, which leads to children be, being behind. But I would say you can definitely tell just based on how a parent parents in general yeah you know how they communicate with their child how they the space that they create for their child to be expressive i think that that's bigger than potty training and and feeding and all of that Mm -hmm. because you get to you're allowing you're teaching your child how to be vocal yeah you're teaching them how to advocate for themselves you're teaching them how to stand up for themselves and how to stand up for other people Mm -hmm. and that leads to children to becoming adults who are leaders who are self-sufficient who are just very generous and considerate types of people, but mm-hmm. they, but those are the types that end up coming across people who aren't there. And then that's where that disconnect. Cause we attract the opposite. A lot of times. That make a lot of sense. That make a lot of sense. The, the, another thing that I think a lot, I see a lot of days on the internet oh, is God. also the, uh, the reckoning of people pleasers. Oh. I don't know if you've been seeing that a lot more lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the, the explanation of why women aren't quote unquote so attracted to the good guy. Like okay. what does that actually mm-hmm. mean? And I, and I, for anybody who may not understand, or maybe, you know, y'all last name is star, uh, people pleasers. I've been seeing a lot of people kind of dissect and analyze, and these are not therapists or counselors. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of these people are just a lot of the best ones I've seen are personal anecdotes of people saying that they used to be, people pleasers and this is how they recognize that these weren't good attributes to have because they realized how something that you would think is a quote unquote you know comes Mm -hmm. off as a positive because you do all these things that people would like for you to do Mm -hmm. but what is that actually (laughs) you know are you actually trying to are you actually trying to control people are you actually trying to Mm -hmm. do all these various things Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and i think that what do you think about those these terms that are now being dissected? Because I think it's coming from a space of from a mental health yeah. type of space where people are becoming more aware and realizing that this isn't something that they should actually attach to themselves. Because usually it was just a, a trait, like oh yeah, I'm a people pleaser a little bit, <laughs> but that's it. It wasn't yeah. any, it wasn't ever any other thing. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like there's now way more like, dialogue we about do it. That. Yeah. yeah. Have you came have you came across that? Have you seen any? First of all, I know a lot of people pleasers. I know a lot of even in like with my work, with personal life, with romance, I've come across a lot of people pleasers and people who are very passive aggressive, mm. which are very connected. Really? Because when you're passive aggressive, it can be uncomfortable to be very direct. So yeah. you may people please so that someone else isn't uncomfortable. I see. So that someone feels good about the information that you give them and you just gave them just enough to go about whatever notion they have in their mind. Yeah. But I feel like it also just comes from, again, a sense of survival. Something was happening in your childhood where you had to adhere to an environment that was unsafe, that was unhealthy, that was toxic. And it was easier for you to just satisfy the caregiver at the time to get out of whatever bad thing was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of kids who deal with abuse, it'll be, no, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll do this. I'll do this. Yeah. And it's like, and they become adults who was like, no, no, no. Okay. I'll just, I'll just do this today. It's like, but you don't really want to. So you're Ooh, really letting go of yourself. Shit. I mean, cause I hear it when I meet with kids yeah. who are dealing with abuse, you know, they, that's how they talk. It's yeah. like, no, 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 no. 
you know, I'm so sorry. I promise I won't. And it's like, it's okay. Yeah. You made a mistake. Yeah. You don't have to do that. Mm. And I feel like they didn't get that part mm. where it was like, you don't have to satisfy me. I want you to be honest. I want mm. you to be truthful. They were missing the component of, I want you to be authentic. Mm. I don't want you to pretend for me because then that leads to manipulation. Yeah. You know, now you're, like you said, a sense of control. Yeah. Now you, you want to change the narrative in your environment and whatever that interaction is to satisfy that other person, but you're losing yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's like every single time you do that, you're losing a piece of yourself to the point where you become an adult and it's like, who am I? Yeah. What do I really want to do with my life? What mm -hmm. career do I want to have? Like people are telling me about my friendships, but I'm used to these friendships. Yes. It's like you were used to those friendships because you were pleasing people in those friendships. Bam. And those people were allowing you to do that. Yes. And ultimately enabling that behavior because no one else could see what was going on. Mm. Or they could see it and they just didn't give a fuck, which yeah. is just irresponsible. Very irresponsible. But yeah, I feel like a big thing with that nowadays is that people are realizing that it doesn't lead to anything good for them, that they're mm. more stressed out. They're more hypervigilant of their around surroundings. They may become more anxious or more avoidant. Yeah. You know, to I want to avoid situations that cause me to people please, but now I'm anxious because I'm gonna say yes if I, I feel do. like people pleasing. Right. I'm just gonna tell them yes. I don't wanna make anyone upset. I don't wanna deny anyone of something. But all in all, you don't know who you are. Mm. And you're denying yourself. You're denying yourself the opportunity to have people learn you. Yeah. You're taking away someone else's opportunity to, to, to connect with you on a deeper level because you're just trying to satisfy them. That's so deep. They're not even learning anything about themselves. Yeah. From the interaction. Yeah. Because you're just giving like you're, just, you're giving in. You're conceding. You're just giving in. Yeah. And you like, I think the biggest thing for me though is the opportunity. I feel like you have to give people the opportunity to get to know you by being authentic. Mm. You know, if you're lying, then people are getting to know a false version of yourself. Facts. And you're wearing a mask. Facts. So then you just have all these people around you thinking they know you, and it's like, no, they know the masked version of you. Mm -hmm. They don't know you. Mm -hmm. And you don't know you. Facts. And now we're all confused on what the fuck is going on. <laughs> and, and imagine the imagine the overall emotional damage that you do to yourself yes. when you haven't been showing up as yourself. It's you convince yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that to me, I, I think I've noticed, you know, certain people pleasers when they crack, the first thing that they say is, I do so much for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I've done this. I showed up for you. And nobody here for my birthday. <laughs> nobody here for this. Nobody showing up for me yeah. when I'm going through mm -hmm. it. I show up for y'all all the time. Da, da, da. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because you did a lot of shit you didn't really want to do. Mm -hmm. And these people also let you do a lot they of shit. They let you do it. No they one, they, yeah. No, not really caring if you were the person who was going to do it or knowing for a simple fact that they just talk about mm -hmm. something that they might need that you're going to find a way to create a solution for them because that's who you are. Yeah, and that's that comes with discernment, right? Yeah. So there are people who, like it's one thing to be resourceful and wanting to support people because that's what you should do. Yeah. But I feel like it's also about the intention. For sure. Behind it. For you sure. Know, are you doing it to people, please? Yes. Or are you doing it to be resourceful? Yeah. Because if it's the people, please, then obviously these people aren't going to do it back because they don't even know what's going on with you internally. Yeah. You're not giving them the opportunity. You know how I figured out how to understand if you're playing a role versus like actually showing up as yourself? No. Um, for me, it was understanding if I had an emotion behind my action. That was the mm -hmm. thing that kind of like, like cleared that. it up for me because... I realized when I was in relationships, it was so easy for me to just be boyfriend, just turn it on. Yeah. And like once I understand what your needs are, what your wants are, what's the things that the collection of, you know, projects that I still got to work on, mm -hmm. 
it was easy to create the the dynamic that gave me whatever I wanted. Yeah. Because I'm I'm meeting your basic needs. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 trying to provide some sense of pleasure. I'm showing up consistently. Now, what happens? How I noticed it was that there was this consistent, you know, uh, feedback okay. and criticism that I got of detachment. Of like, I don't know if you hear, you're not present with me. I was going to say that earlier when you were like, I'll just leave. And I was like, okay. Yeah. See, see that? <laughs> see? <laughs> see this there's is- so much discernment with detachment too, though. Because some people detach because of what they grew up in yeah. and the avoidant. Where it's like, I just, I don't need this connection. And it's like, you need connection. For sure. But you are afraid of the connection. For sure. And I think, I think that for me, what made me understand it was like, when... Like these actions that I'm doing, they're empty. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've figured out a way to just be on autopilot with things. Yeah. So it felt like they were trying to almost like catch me in the midst of the program mm-hmm. to snap out of it, you know, and to be myself in that yeah. moment. Or to just, especially a person like myself who, you know, gets on the mic and talks about whatever I talk about and probably say something prolific on demand. And yet when I'm in alone, when I'm alone with them, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not showing up that way. Maybe I'm not giving them that level of vulnerability. So they're trying to figure out, do you are you really here? Yeah. Do you really care? Am I just a, a placeholder for yeah. you? Yeah. Am I special? All these various yeah. things. So I had to realize, like, okay, what is it that I need to, how do I need to, like, actually think yeah. about this? And through chatting about it and going through therapy mm-hmm. and, like, having consistent conversations about how I feel about myself, mm-hmm. I realized, like, oh, so much of what I don't do in relationships it's related to what I don't do for myself. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for me to, so it was hard for me to connect the dots on you wanting more affection if I don't really give myself that much affection. If I don't really like talk to myself mm-hmm. in these affirming ways, why would I give it to you? Yeah. And I think my almost fail-safe programming, if you will, was that I'm never gonna do more for somebody else than I've done for myself. I think that was already mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't know that that's why I didn't show up in particular ways. Yeah. So it's like you're asking. More out of me that I ain't even checked that box for myself. Yeah. But not understanding that was what the rigidity was. It was like, what's the problem? Like, the way that I was was working. Yeah. Why it ain't working now? What's and the it's problem? It's crazy because I've been on both ends of that. Mm. But it's even as a therapist, you're like, but like, because sometimes you freak <laughs> for real. Because people be like, she should just be doing everything perfect. Right, right. Like, it's like, absolutely not. Yeah. Y'all regular I, people. I just became a therapist not too long ago. But like on on the the end of oh I need this person to show up for me this way and this way and this way especially when you're doing it for yourself yeah because that's the difference it's like if you're doing it for yourself you you desire that other people that it's mutual yeah you know every it's 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 a reciprocal relationship that you have with people around you for sure but then we we do tend to forget that okay just because you're doing it for yourself doesn't mean that someone else that you care about or you desire to be with is doing that for themselves as well and that's where we have to connect the dots where it's like okay. I am asking of too much for this person and I kind of have to let them the space have the space and the freedom to just figure it out on their own. But that's difficult. That's real difficult. Especially when you don't figure it out because you don't really, I hate the thing on social media where it'll be like, um, stop meeting people who do this or stop dating people who do this and this. It's like, yeah. you don't know that until a couple months later. You don't know what the... I didn't intend to meet somebody who was like this. I had no idea they were like this. Facts. You don't realize it till like month three, four, five, or six. By that time, you're Mm -hmm. 
emotionally invested, you're involved, you want it to work, you're your trying representative to representative is dead. Yeah, like what the hell is I need you to get it together. Yeah. But I feel like if you have that relationship where it's like, okay, I know what I need to do for this person yeah. and I know that I haven't done it for myself. Yeah. Where can we meet Facts. in the middle and collaborate and be a team and be like a real partnership? Because it's you'll I feel like people forget that just because you're in a partnership or relationship doesn't mean that everything is going to be right at that time Yeah. because you're always going to go through stages of change. Yes. You know, I may not want to dress like this anymore. I may want to change my whole look up. I may want to be in a different career field. Mm-hmm. And now you have to engage with me in the spaces of my own change. Mm. And I have to engage with you in the spaces of your change. Yeah. So we're going to be relearning each other through all of these phases. Yeah. What I'm doing in the beginning with you is going to set the tone for me to know if you're going to be, on par with that or not facts and then we can go from there and i can let you go foundation is real that's real that's real and i and i wanted to also give a little bit of space for the, the idea of the good guy because mm-hmm. i think that um i feel like i dabbled into those spaces for sure being that being a part of my identity um but also too was able to understand why it's seen as a negative too mm, okay. because i think it's almost because i think a lot of people pleasers happen to be women a lot of times mm-hmm. Um, and I think the good guy, quote unquote, is like the best example of what people would perceive as a as a as a you know a compliment. Mm-hmm. But the reason as to why it's bad, what you see on the internet from a lot of men who literally will claim like women only want thugs, they only want yeah. this, they only want that. I thought about it pretty deeply a few years ago. Women want grown ass men. Now, what I said, what I said to uh, I was having a conversation with uh, with two friends of mine, and I was like, take away. The quote unquote fact that the these men that y'all have dated, quote unquote, y'all would consider them hood niggas, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. What was it about them that made you actually like them? Mm-hmm. And that was when I got the full understanding of why that's even a common yeah. commonality. And also kind of burst their bubble a little bit as to probably why they show up that way. Yeah. <laughs> cause I'm like, cause they was like, I feel like every hood nigga I ever dated was the only niggas that paid attention to me. And I was like, he gotta make sure you ain't. You ain't about to drop no dime on them either. Yeah, you ain't got no ops. Like, you ain't got no ops. You're not you hanging got... on with nobody. Like, you, you cool? Quick. Like, like I got to keep you happy. Yeah. Because I don't need you to, to you, flip you, on me. Because you might, you know too much. You done seen yeah. too much. You know what I do. So I got to keep mm-hmm. you in a good space. I got to be attentive that's to so you. That's so true. You know what I'm saying? But also, too, that's probably the, one of the only ones that I kind of, like, dispelled for them a little bit yeah. or gave them some other perspective. But everything else is actually a pretty admirable quality if yeah. you just take away the quote-unquote yeah, criminal sure. act, but it's like yeah. the fact that they're handling they business, yeah. the fact that there's some like actual like dominance and some type of masculine presence mm-hmm. where they are literally telling motherfuckers what to do, keeping their business in order. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are organized people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, my shit got to stay clean. Yeah. I got to be yeah. on this. I got to be this. I got to do it's that. It's a different type of... And I think, and I think, I think there's a certain level of attraction that is to discipline as a whole. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just like you just replace that quote-unquote <laughs> career choice yeah. With something else, and that's what makes you attracted to him too. He's mm-hmm. stable, making money, and certainly trying to be ambitious yeah. at what it is that he's doing. Versus the good mm-hmm. guy who leads or feels like that's what should bring attractive women and various things to him. He should attract people because he didn't choose to go and sell drugs and yeah. scam. So I, I, I deserve to have all the most beautiful women in the club because. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to cheat on you. I'm not going to da-da-da, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And what I realized, the unattractive parts to that is this element of wanting a cookie Mm -hmm. for for being a good person, Mm -hmm. 
And also, so you want a reward for choosing something that you probably didn't want to choose. Mm -hmm. Like you would, you, you probably want a reward for just doing the right thing. And that's not, that's not a good personality, yeah. my dude. It's probably actually makes you even more of an asshole. Yeah. Because when you do get upset, you almost blame it on other people. Yeah. You getting me out of character. Yeah. Is a common thing that you might hear from these type of people. Or them, I mean, or them being it. denial of their bad behavior. Yeah. Think of like the uh the scene with uh with Lawrence and um and, and insecure. Look at you. You watch insecure. Oh, I love insecure. That's anybody who show. anybody who knows this podcast yeah. knows. You said Lawrence, I'm like, Lawrence. You know Lawrence? Right? And the scene where Lawrence, I think it was season two, Lawrence was fucking with Tasha, who who worked at Chase Bank. Yeah. And she invited him to her cookout. Mm -hmm. And he and, went. He was at a work thing. And he he was splitting lit. time. Yeah. He splitting time. Told her that he was going. He was committing to this to this cookout, yeah. meeting family and everything. Mm -hmm. But also, I got. I kind of got to go and be at this work thing real quick. Yeah. Mind you, the work thing seemed so optional. It did. It was optional. It did not seem like something he had to do. He wanted to be there. He wanted to be yeah. there, which is another thing. Good guys don't be saying no, and you should. Because they want to. You didn't want to go to that cookout. You didn't want to tell her no because you don't believe that you can quote unquote tell women no for some reason. Yeah. Like you're not gonna get what you want out of them mm -hmm. if you start saying no. Yeah. When in reality, say no, my nigga. He did. He didn't want to meet the family. No. Which is exactly why he should have just said no. He should have said no. Because why are you going to a family cookout? And so she, he came back once the whole cookout is over. She mad. She's mad, and she's saying what to him? You a fuck nigga. You a fuck boy that think. <laughs> He a good guy. That was such a good scene. Yes. It was a great scene. <laughs> and it was so revealing mm -hmm. from a context of some... Because he was like... Like, his, she just talking to me like He that. ran out of pearls to clutch. <laughs> he was like, I, was, I am a, I am a good, good man. Guy, yeah. I was at... I was, I was, you know, traversing yeah. the network of my career, trying to rise through up the ladder. The you should, you should be, you should be just feeling good that I... I Took I the time back. to do that, yeah. and then came back and mm -hmm. I didn't know I missed everything. I didn't know y'all do a cookout. This who, what black people do a cookout this short? I'm crying. What black people do a cookout? What stuff it be outside? In the time of a brunch, yeah. In the time yeah. of a happy hour, yeah. <laughs> how y'all gonna already be done at the party? But I really like that scene because it also just shows how multi hyphenated and multifaceted we are, just as people. For sure, that you can have great qualities and still do some. Crazy dumb shit, and, like, and, and that's why you people. and that's why you shouldn't judge. Yeah. So also too with the good guys, the fact that you get upset at the idea that women are choosing up on these dudes who are quote unquote, you know, what mm -hmm. I'm saying hood niggas. You ain't. You got to get more solid with you, my nigga. Yeah. You got to feel good about who you are, yeah. because the fact of the matter is that nigga probably emulates you in a way, mm -hmm. not even knowing you for real. But he's like, my nigga, I wish I had that choice. Yeah. To not do this shit, to be a CPA, to be mm -hmm. a nigga with a straightforward job. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm really doing what I'm doing so that I can hopefully do enough yeah. so that I can let this shit go. Mm -hmm. But this is, I started doing this when I was 13. Yeah. Like, you think I wanted to, you think I wanted to sell dope? You I think wanted I wanted to be to, out here? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I had hoop dreams. I had, I wanted to be, mm -hmm. I actually wanted to be a vet. I like animals. Yeah. It'd be shit like that. That's where the empathy and the understanding comes yeah. from. And that's why people should be authentic and be open so that people can, you can give someone the opportunity to understand for sure. where you coming from. For sure. For sure. But I think it's, it's interesting to me. And I think to pivot to this, you know, to what I think is a greater point in this conversation is I think a lot of people are starting to use quote unquote therapy terms. Speaking of these types of people who are 
creating content, speaking about people mm-hmm. pleasing. A lot of them are starting to use their therapy terms in their content. Mm-hmm. Talking about, like I literally seen a girl on TikTok speak to <laughs> speak to attachment styles and damn near made them sound like zodiac signs. Mm-hmm. Like made it like if you meet somebody with an anxious attachment style or an avoidant text, they you gotta need to, be a Pisces. They're gonna be this, they're gonna be that, mm-hmm. they're gonna be this, they're gonna be that. You need to do this, you need to do that, you need to blah 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. The, the amount of times I've heard narcissism being thrown around like it's, you know, a very yeah. interesting, you yeah. know, very free-flowing word. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about, you know, these particular, like, terms being used outside of sessions and with licensed professionals? Yeah. I feel like it's, it's definitely socially irresponsible mm. because, especially when, because I hear narcissism online a lot and like I know what it means and there's different types mm. of narcissism. And I think that, especially when people use that, that word, they're really looking at the traits around narcissism sure. and that people can possess a lot of these traits and, yeah. they, and they could stem from like their trauma or their environment. Because if you grew up not having or not experiencing something good, you may become an adult who you attach yourself to to the good things that you do experience and it could come off as, oh, this person is narcissistic because they're controlling and they need this. It was like they probably feel that way because they had no control before. And so it's not that they're narcissistic, it's that they have this trait and it's really for survival. Yeah. So I feel like it's socially irresponsible because people are using it in the wrong context. You have people online who are not using discernment, which they should, but they're mm-hmm. not using discernment to do their own research and you have young kids who really don't even know what discernment and all those things look like. And they see you on TikTok because they're scrolling on there all day. Yep. So if they see you talking about uh, anxious attachment and astrology as one and the same, then to them, that's one and the same. It's mm. like, okay, well, I'm an Aquarius, so I probably have traits around being disconnected from people and... I'm probably avoidant, even though I don't know why I would be avoidant, but I'm probably avoidant. It's like, no, TikTok and social media are not places where you get your therapy from. Yeah. They're not places where you take these terms and apply it directly to yourself. Like you, you can't force these things to make sense to you Mm -hmm. when these people don't know you. And a lot of the information that's being put out is very just general information that you can get from a book or get from Google. It's just that they don't have... There's no disclaimers. There's no, you know, make sure you go to a licensed professional for clarity. They're not like putting those other things in it so that people know, okay, this person is not a professional. Mm. So what they're saying is more than likely not actually accurate. Yeah. And it doesn't apply to my trauma. It doesn't apply to my culture. Yeah. It doesn't apply to my environment. It doesn't apply to my perspective in the way that I naturally think. Yeah. And so I just feel like it, it just... And it takes us, it makes it harder for people who are in the field and the industry to explain these things to clients because then they come into the space seeking therapy and they have this false notion of what therapy looks like Mm. because they're on social media. And it's one thing to like express your therapeutic experience and what you got from therapy, but it's another when you're basing it and you're putting it out there as if this would be everyone's experience Mm. because you're now you're taking away from someone's opportunity to learn themselves because of your terrible experience. Right. When you probably didn't do no research on finding a a good therapist, you um, probably weren't doing the homework that the therapist was giving you because we give out homework you know, you're probably not changing your environments or your habits to make sense to what you're in therapy for. 
you're likely not addressing the actual behaviors on your own and you're just hoping for a quick turnaround from therapy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to be healed in, in my sixth session and then I'm going to be fulfilled with life. Like no one can tell me anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, that is not what therapy is. Yeah. Therapy is a process. It's a journey. Healing is forever. It's not something that just ends. You're mm -hmm. going to go through so many changes in life. Mm -hmm. We experience so much trauma just from social media. We experience vicarious trauma, which is very indirect trauma that you see someone being murdered online or something. That's, That's big. You're experiencing it, but it's not direct. But yeah. it's within your culture. It's something that you're seeing and you have to get help for that. Because if you see it so much, it's kind of like trauma porn. Your brain is going to become wired differently. Yeah. You know, I never experienced um, being in a school and, and having a school shooting directly at my school. But now that I'm working with kids and I'm going to these schools, I'm way more hypervigilant and way more aware than I ever would have been because of what I've seen online. Are you opting into that? And I'm opting into it. Yeah. I'm going to these schools to help these children, but I'm also like, mm -hmm. I don't want this to be the day. You know, and I never experienced it directly. So yeah. I feel like people... People just need to do more research and really connect with people who can guide them yeah. on what therapy looks like. I agree. I agree with that so much. I don't, and nothing else said. Nothing else said. Cause you even, I feel, <laughs> you, so you, 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 I feel like you, you can, the clairvoyance going crazy because it's, it's like you just, it's confusing people online. It should be handled more responsibly. That's what, what I you said. have on there. That's what I said. And you said that in your own way. Because it really should, it like, it really stresses me out because I just, I don't ever want to be someone who is putting out information that I don't know anything about. If I Thanks. don't know about something, I'm not speaking on it. Like I, I don't, I'm not an astronaut. I don't speak on nothing astronomical. Mm. The two don't go together, but Come I'm on. not speaking on it. Come on. And I feel like it's too many people who are, whose goal is to be um, knowledgeable in so many different areas Yeah. that you're missing out on so much other information that goes with what that knowledge looks like. That's real. You're not doing full research. So That's tap real. into something that makes sense to you that you can fully comprehend. Yeah. And maybe guide people with that. But use your disclaimers. Like, let sure. people know that, you know, I'm not proficient in this, but I, I'm well in doubt okay. in what this looks like. Okay. That's what I feel. I love that. I love that. I love that. I think that for me, I've had to kind of, you know, point out when people are psychoanalyzing. Mm. And just saying that always Sometimes makes jars the hell out of people. They be like, <laughs> what you trying to call? What you trying to say? You know, right. like, you're, you're literally trying to literally give people an analysis or a mm -hmm. diagnosis that you have no space to yeah. do or give like there's other words mm -hmm. i'm real big on vocabulary yeah, it's and it's, maybe it's the podcast in me the podcaster in me and just the lover of language but to me it's like i believe so many things language can fix and what yeah. language can't fix perspective does the rest you know so to me it's like it's okay for this nigga just to be called selfish right. i get it if you feel like you've already called 30 niggas selfish and this is like the most selfish that you've ever witnessed a, <laughs> yeah. a man showing up to you on but the fact of the matter is, is that is just what it is. Yeah. It's just the most bombastic version of it. Yeah, bombastic. It, it's, it's intensities to the things. Mm -hmm. That's just all it is. It really is. is, though. It's all it is. Yeah. But I think it's hard for people to, because I think that we, for one, I think a lot of us like the idea of something being specialized in some way, shape, or form. Like, there is a monumental reason as to why this crazy-ass shit is happening. Like, you're looking at the camera like, it's, you know, you you stop, yeah. and like it gotta be a reason why this the stars, the the, the yeah. retrogrades, the things, mm -hmm. something is going on. Why am I going through this bad luck? Yeah. Why am I going through these things? Mm -hmm. 
And like, I think the hard part about quote unquote doing the work is in that reflection part. I remember I always like to like remind my friends anytime they get into a particular, you know, point with a, with a person, I was like, understand something that what led you to this particular heartbreak was you opting in. You had to say yes for him to get this close. So what was it that made you feel like he could? And it's okay to be deceived. Yeah. Well, it's not okay, but, but it's okay it to, to, to uh, come, come back from your reflection, understanding that you wholeheartedly went in with 100% mm-hmm. yes with your body, with your mind, feeling like you were safe, mm-hmm. and you weren't. And that's okay. Show yourself grace. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's hard to, because I think it's, um, I, I think I've noticed that there is definitely um, a really large uh, pattern of over-accountability on one side mm-hmm. um, and, like, lack of accountability on the other to where people are claiming things that have nothing to do with them, you know? I've dated people, and they've told me about very, you know, bad relationships they had prior to us meeting, and they and they still have so much, like, grace for that person, even though he did this really heinous thing. And I'll be like, damn, I could not do that. <laughs> if, they, if that same thing happened yeah. to me, it ain't like I'm going to sit here and still be hating this person, but I would not be... Yeah. Speaking in a way of like, well, I did do this and da da da. Oh yeah, I wouldn't do that. You, you know can what I'm saying? Grace, but don't don't dismiss or invalidate. Yeah, it's like no, nah, you that. didn't deserve that. You re- you can say that part. That yeah. that is that is true too. Mm-hmm. Regardless of you feeling like, well, I feel like I you know played around with him. I shouldn't. Have, I'm like, eh. yeah. We can we can we can contextualize these things. Mm-hmm. Like there was an action reaction. So many different things. I love that because that's my biggest thing. Yeah, the action reaction. Yeah, and a lot of people will instigate negative things because of their fears and they they instigate these things so that people can confirm and validate yeah. whatever wild perceptions they have about themselves and mm-hmm. their experiences i think i want to make this last question that i have to you my send it on now my send it on portion of the episode is my call to action so when you hear this okay. when you hear this cut it's going to be some nice good d'angelo instrumental okay behind your voice <laughs> okay that's send it on from the song okay um and it's my call to action and it's just some type of actionable question or something that you can give to the people perspective whatever it might be um and the question i have for you is does how does a friend a spouse a parent a sibling support someone attempting to work on themselves i would say just create a space where that person can come to you mm. and express themselves authentically. I feel like the greatest gift you can give someone is the space to be themselves. So if you know that someone is going through a journey of healing or you know that they should go through a journey of healing, I feel like asking them questions about themselves that could spark insight or just spark them to say, hmm, maybe, you know, I never thought of that. Maybe I should look into this. I feel like that is the greatest blessing you can give to people. Because a lot mm. of times people are very lost in what their journey, their healing journey looks like because they don't have people that they can go to for support. Kind of like people who cry on, who record themselves crying on social media. It's like there has to be a lack of support or a lack of understanding from your community yeah. and what that looks like. So just offer people space to... Be free. Mm. We all want to be free. I love that. Like that's so true. Liberation is real. And it's and I think it's a human a human desire. It's a deep yeah. human desire that we don't give space to enough. Mm-hmm. But the idea of us not working, of the idea of us having control over our time and destiny, yeah. I think that where that comes from. 
And I love that you, um, I don't know if you noticed, but you kind of tied in your podcast name into that that answer. <laughs> I like that. I didn't even realize that. You I did, did. You did. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get to you. That was good. That was good. That was genuine. Genuine. I really, if you will. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate, I appreciate you. you for giving me your time. Um, shout out to Ashanti Mayo for her being on your podcast and oh that being God. how I discovered you in the first place. Mm-hmm. Love Ashanti. Love her voice. Yeah. Um, so glad that she was, you know, able to share that with you too. Um, and I really, really want you to make sure that you tell everybody how they can tap in with you, keep up with you, all the things. So y'all can follow me at Who Is Isla. Come on. Y'all can follow the show Space We Create Pod, which will be changed because it's a show now. Okay. So ignore all of that. But yeah, tap in with me, Who Is Isla. If y'all have questions about therapy resources, DM me. I'll give you whatever I got in my my toolkit. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great, great. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, you can follow, you can find all those things in the description of this particular episode. Uh, also, too, make sure you follow me. If you don't know, you should know. Everywhere at Kings underscore memoirs. I appreciate y'all so, so much for tapping in with me. A lot of great things coming into the new year. I'm excited about the new year. Um, so, fuck with me. Make sure if you need any assistance with your own creative production or digital marketing, you can hit me up and go to my website at www lifeisking.com and um, I appreciate you and check me out later this is the Simply King podcast your soulfully conscious podcast for humans simply being humans peace I like to joke I like to play in